Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, thanks for joining us for another Fox Rugby podcast. Terrific to have your company as we welcome today Waratah's assistant coach, Simon Cron. Simon, welcome to you. Thanks, thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, Christy Doran, resplendent in his sleeveless uh, cream fisherman's knit uh, jersey and looking forward to you being uh, reintroduced to the attack from the pavilion end at some stage in the next 45 minutes. It's a good number, isn't it, Nick? Mm. What, do you, what do you think, Simon? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's old school. It's good. It, it is. Uh, <laughs> they were very popular in the late 80s, as I recall. Um, Simon, season over for the Tars. You've just come home from South Africa. Uh, what's the last 48 hours been like? Is it is it devastating when it finishes like that? Yep. Yep. There's no easy answer. It's um, it's not the way you want to finish. You want to finish next week uh, with a win. So, yeah, I mean, last 48 hours, we're on a flight, uh, not much sleep. Woke up at 2 a.m. this morning thinking we should be on our way to Christchurch. Mm. So that's probably, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it ends. What was, like, the moments after the game? How does a, a team respond and react? Is it, was it, is it just pure devastation? Is it... Uh... Yeah, it is. It is. And, and that's what you want. Um, so, you know, post-game, the boys were pretty devastated. And, and the reason why they're devastated is because there's some opportunities we left out in the field. Um, so in the sheds, you know, heads are down. There's not a lot of talking. Um, and if if you didn't have that response, you wouldn't want them in your team. So if you know if guys were happy uh, for just getting close enough, then you, you don't have a team of winners. So there's that to think about. But there's has there been any time spent thinking about the fact that probably should have beaten the Brumbies in in the last game, probably should have beaten the Blues at Brookvale, should have beaten the Crusaders after being twenty nine nil up at half time and and won any of those games, and you wouldn't have had to go to Johannesburg. Is there is there any sense in reflecting on that or is that water under the bridge? Yeah, funnily, we didn't really reflect on that. Look, don't get me wrong, I totally agree we should have won those games and, and there's, there's um, little things post-game that you look at, like some of our game management around um, you know, that Crusaders game where we, we got down to 14 men and we, we didn't get the ball out and, and other little things, and, but that's all learning. That's, that's why you end up in Johannesburg because you get better from those losses. Um, Brumbies won... Uh, hurt us because it's pretty close, and, and we should have been able to to capitalise on some opportunities we had, and we should have let you know stopped a lot of those points. But didn't matter. You're on a flight. You're in Johannesburg. You're playing the Lions, so you know it is what it is. You play 80 minutes over there. Can we just pick this up again? Because I know post match after the Brumbies game, there was a feeling where we asked the the, the media asked Daryl Gibson and, and Bernard. Uh, have you got a preference of who you're going to play in the quarter finals? Would it be the the, the, the Highlanders or, or the Haguaras? And it seemed like Daryl thought that you're coming up against the Haguaras no matter what. Um, and then on top of that, when you, you hear Bernard say, "Oh, we got out enthused," there was a feeling of did did the Waratahs actually know that a Highlanders quarter final and dropping down to three and then having to go to Johannesburg likely for a semi if you got past the quarterfinals. So did everyone know the, the, like what the standings were? Yeah, oh yeah, we all knew. Yeah, we knew. And, and we knew it was Highlanders or, or, or Jags. And um, for us, you know, as you mentioned, you don't really think past that week. So Brumbies first and then 
as a result of the Brumbies, we end up with the Highlanders, which is fine. Um, and to be honest, you know, the Highlanders, I've, I kind of wanted to play them. Like, you know, we played them and, and won, uh, you know, earlier in the year we had that red card against Clarkey, you know, against them for kicking Clarkey in the head. <laughs> so I kind of wanted a second crack at them anyway. And, you know, and, and they've got a an exciting game, whereas the Aguirre's can be a little bit uh, less predictable. You know what you're going to get with the Highlanders. So I, I was okay with the Highlanders. And we knew we'd get them. Um, and then we knew... Once it's, out of, once it's out of your hands as to whether you're going to host a semi-final, then it's you know that's the area you make. If anything's out of your hands, you don't want to end up in that scenario, similar to what the Rebels ended up with. Mm. In the end, them making the finals was out of their hands, and whenever that happens, you never make it. Mm. Mm. Someone else always takes it. It'd be remiss for us not to actually mention the scoreline, 44-26 uh, in the semi-final, the defeat there. Do you feel like the, the team left everything out in the park, though? Uh, look, I think um, the the boys went at it like they went at it. We went in at 19 all at half time. Um, they did. I think the last try there was probably us trying to do too much. We were trying to play from behind and we were down by 11, I think, at one stage. And um, we, ha- we had to throw the ball. We mm-hmm. had to attack from our own line. We had to go at it. And, and as a result of that, we turned the ball over and they score. Um, blowing the the square a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that flatters the lines oh, a little bit. Forty four twenty six. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I think it does. And you know how it is. You want to win, so we were we were having to take a few um, risks at the end, which you don't really want. You want to shut the game out, but we weren't in that position. So um, yeah, they got up on us in the end, and they were a good side. It's it's worth um, sort of looking ahead to next year, uh, and you know asking you what needs to change. But that also kind of, the answer to that maybe feeds back into Saturday night a little bit as well because it's probably uh, indicative of the things that you do need to change that came out of that match. And, and that is um, maybe a little bit uh, out muscle uh, up, up front. Uh, and, and also uh, the breakdown would have been a problem area for you all season as well. And that, that probably the two things, I mean, you're the coach, but the two things that, that hurt you, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, they are. Look... It would um, hurt you more than anyone because you're a former flanker. Yeah, that's right. Breakdown's a big part. But in saying that, look, um, I think the breakdown in the last three or four weeks has hurt us a little bit in our attack. And, you know, what it is, it's more of an individual case of making sure certain guys get better at it. Like, if you look at the first uh, turnover... One of our boys was watching the breakdown rather than hitting it. Um, you've got a couple of guys who uh, originated, one of them originated in rugby league, and he's got so much better this year mm. about making decisions to hit a ruck rather than watching, and, and it's just changing mindsets so that we leave no daylight. Um, and in terms of the out-muscled part of it, look, the first more we just smashed them. Second one, we had a, like we had Staniforth come straight through the middle, and, oh, Jack, and, yeah. and Jacko just wouldn't let him take it and we were already down a Ford at that stage with Fitzy off so personally I think if we do our roles we stop them it's it's when we get caught out with if you lose one Ford when you're a little bit lighter mm. then you know you're 180 kgs down then because you've dumped one so um, that makes a difference and then you know, at scrum time it was, it was good chatting to Hoylesley and that afterwards about you know what they thought because I think we went at them a couple of times and and Jacko wasn't that keen to... There was one that Malcolm Marks... They were going forward, admittedly. 100%. But, but he was the, definitely the first to pop up. And when, there, when have we seen two. a scrum... Well, the, the other one, Tolu and, and Malcolm Marks sort of popped up at the same time. Yeah, there was yeah. one that he definitely mm. popped up first. Yeah. And when have you seen a scrum penalty awarded 
uh, for the team yeah. that, that pops yeah. up first. Never. That, was, that was bizarre. Uh, well, the frustrating thing for me there is we, I sent some clips to Jacko the Friday night of their tight head standing up. So when they get under pressure, their tight head stands straight up. So And he agreed. He was like, I, I see the picture, no problem. But I think on game day, the, the picture wasn't riffed. So, um, you know, which is hard because you've got someone like Tom Robinson who did a great job. Uh, and the boys did a thing we called load and explode, which is we, we load up and then all of a sudden we do a small jump and we go straight at them. And, and we did that twice and it popped Mal- it popped Mark's ear and it popped their tight head. Mm. Um, but Jacko wasn't, yeah, he wasn't going to give it. I think there was one clear example as well in the first half where you had uh, a scrum reset, but it was a clear Waratahs penalty win. And, mm. and uh, shortly after actually... They reset again, and the Tars get. I think it was an early push, so it was a free kick. It, it was a it was a pre-engage, which is the addition to the laws this year, which is an absolute nightmare to ref. Mm. So for you to so on average is one and a half ton that comes through your front row. So what they're saying now is here's a midline, and as a referee, I want to tell you if one of your front rows move towards that midline. So like I look at that scrum, and I so post game I'm good like this. So I drew a line where the shoulders were of each prop, and both props moved towards the midline, not one or the other. So, but then it was just against us. And, and you know what? We knew that if there was going to be some 50-50s around scrum time, we, we might not get the roll of the dice. And, and you've got to... Is that partly because of the Alice Park, but also the assistant referees of South African too? Yeah, well, one of the messages I wanted to say to Jacko pre-game, which I chose not to, but was to make your own decisions, maybe not listen... To, to them, and it's not an excuse because, like you mentioned, they they did us on a couple. Like they did us on yeah. a mall where uh, one of our boys missed a roll. Um, but I thought at scrum time there was a lot more parity than than what he was willing to play. That's all. I wonder whether it's crowd, like you know, environment, Hostile, um, yeah. and and assistant referees, or whether it's the fact that early on, and I think they were probably dominant early on. I, th- I thought maybe, did you work your way back into the game a well, little bit? Well, no, see, see, for me, the first scrum was from, you know, Nard didn't kick that one ten. First scrum, so for me, the pitches aren't hard uh, uh, when you're looking at scrums. If both props go forward first, you're winning. Mm. Easy, right? So all you do is you look at the props and go, did they go forward? First scrum, our Lucid went forward, their Lucid went forward, and it spun on a dime, so it just went, woof, yep. spun around. Penalty against us. So no team was dominant, and and if you in regards to scrums, you can spin it. If you want to spin it, you can spin it like that. So it's very easy for you to spin a. So it spun around. That should have just been look, fellas. It's just spun on the spot. That's a reset. Uh, but when he penalised us, that's when I thought we're probably not going to get the roll of the dice there. So we've just got to try and be better uh, and try to prevent it from from spinning. But their tight head is very good at coming in hard on an angle, and, and the reason that scrum spun is he went hard on an angle at our at our hooker, at Tolu, and then because Robbo chased him, which is what you do if he angles, Robbo chased him, then it spins it. Mm. So it's a combination of both of them, but, yeah, so. So casting forward then with all that in, in mind, for next year, what do you need? Because this year you've... You made a lot of the fact. Yep, we're we're lightweight up, up front, um, and we're going to deal with that. We're going to we're going to play accordingly. Do you need to add some power in there? Oh, look, from, from my point of view, the boys that that went on the field this year did the job. 
So, you know, and I always said to the boys, fast beats slow, big doesn't beat small. See, if we're fast, we can we can do the job. And, 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 and to the credit of the guys that were there this year, they did it. Now, if you're looking at, um, like I talk about recruitment like a jigsaw puzzle, you're always looking to, to, at what pieces you think you can add to make the perfect jigsaw. So I think probably for us in terms of our recruitment and there is space, we'll look for something like a, an additional lock to add in to the current group we've had. And, and that lock for us would have to be somebody who's got a really good shoulder punch defensively and uh, a good ball carry, body height, leg drive-wise, because that's what our boys who are currently there are getting really good at. And, and I think in addition to that, just gives us a little bit more depth so that let's say Simo's come off three tests in the June series, then all of a sudden we can say, hey, mate, have a break, or we can add somebody to Simo or, or to Staniforth, or the guys that we've currently got there, we can just add depth. Um, is that and- is that individual... Um, we, we, what is he coming from? Because you, got, you guys have done really well taking, this is the point that Halsey made last week, taking guys who've got a few games on the clock out of club rugby in, in Sydney and, and turning them... Michael Will, Will, perfect, Will Miller. Um, Will Miller. Yep. Um, yep. So is that individual that you're talking about uh, in the environment in Sydney somewhere or are you looking outside? Well, for me, for, you know, for the next five weeks, Shoot Shield is where I'll be. So I want to go and watch all those teams and see what's, you know, I talked to a couple of guys around the coaches that are, that are currently out there and we'll go and watch some. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing a couple of those guys play and, and, and getting a good idea of where they're at and whether they fit into our development program or straight into super. Um, but I think it has to be a worldwide search in terms of, like, all through Australia, for starters. Then Australians overseas or, you know, it depends what... If you can't find it here, find it somewhere would be the approach. But ideally, like you mentioned, like the Michael Wells, the Will Miller approach, they've come through our systems, they've come through Shoot Shield, and and if you if somebody said at the start of this year, this is what those guys will do, you know, that's that's what I expected from they've, them. They've, they've been amazing. Well, Michael yeah. Wells in particular, yeah. I mean, the, the amount of minutes that he's played this season has been terrific. Yeah, and, and people like Brandon Pangramosa are the perfect examples. Him and Will Miller are, I think, just guys that have... Just gone through shoot shield and and have and have grabbed the opportunity of both hands. I wonder whether or not a guy like Will Skelton would be someone that we can try to entice home because didn't have the wow. Well, he did all right for Saracens later in the year, but a wallaby that you you want to bring home. So and a, and a guy who's pretty big. Yeah, he's a big unit, uh, <laughs> and I think it's about. The key thing for us is making sure we coach the areas that that guy needs help in. So, for example, Will Skelton, I think we can get him fast off the ground. So, you know, I mean, I know maybe he didn't jump as much as, as people would expect from a lot, but I think you can cover that. You make better lifters, it's amazing how well they jump, mm. you know. So uh, our guys are pretty quick off the ground this year, and, and someone like him, he can still do it. Um, your immediate boss, uh, Daryl Gibson, looks, looks like he's going to stay for, for another two years. Yeah, I, I, I am not sure what's happening because, I mean, we just landed and we didn't talk sure, about it a yeah. whole lot. But uh, it looks like the powers that be are in good discussions with him around his job and what they want him to do. So uh, I'd expect there'll be an announcement soon. I'm just not 100% sure on what they've come up with. It's an incredible story, though. I mean, let's let's assume for a moment that he is sticking around. Um, it's a pretty good story considering where you guys were last year and the fact that um, I think he's even given a nod to the fact that you know, maybe he was yeah. a bit lucky to hold on to his job. Well, um, it wasn't just you guys. Simon only came on board really, what, this time last year almost? Yeah, yeah. I came on um, post-Shoot Shield. So yeah. once the Shoot Shield finished, or oh, actually just before the Shoot Shield finished actually, um, 
Yep, so uh, I was in that meeting we had, I think it was on the 5th of August last year, about the changes we needed to make as a squad. So, uh, yeah, I, I obviously I wasn't involved last year, so it's hard for me to comment on you know what went on or, or the feeling within the squad. But uh, ever since that meeting, it's been pretty clear. Mm. Mm. And it's, it's kind of dominated by, by Kiwis, if I just might add myself, with you and Andrew Hall and Darrell Gibson there. Yeah, there's a few Kiwis there, but... <laughs> But, you know, in saying that, my whole coaching career has been in Australia. So, I mean, I get heat. Um, our family Christmas time is quite humorous because you've got three of us who are involved heavily in, in rugby. Uh, my cousins at the Hurricanes and the coaching staff and my uncle obviously is heavily involved in rugby too. So um, there's a bit of banter between the three of us. But I've been here, I think, 13 years now. So my, my babies have all been born in Australia and... And I've uh, my coaching career has been here. I've coached Australians the whole time, and uh, to be honest, there's there's no difference. You you came here to get away from rugby, is that right? Yeah, I did. I did. I've, I've mentioned that a couple of times. Well, I didn't. My wife had had enough of um, had enough of me playing, and she had enough of the time that that rugby took up. And because you played a lot for Canterbury, well, no, I played Canterbury Town. No, I didn't play for Canterbury. I played Canterbury, but I I captained like I suppose what you'd compare a shoot shield team. Yeah. And I played in five uh, grand finals back home, and it's all encompassing. And, and, and to compare, like for example, in New Zealand, when you play rugby in Christchurch, it's um, you know you know everyone. You walk, to, you go to the supermarket, you run into fifteen mates on the way to buy your food, and she loved that. So um, uh, she was keen to leave. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so she, uh, we had a mate of Manly, and, and, and we, in the off-season, you know, you don't get much of a break, so we'd come over, and, and so she said, oh, we'll go for a year. And uh, their club back home, I'd like, so I was captain at the time, and, I, you know, you, oh, I think I'll retire this year, but it was highly likely that wasn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, or they were lining me up to coach straight away. So... Um, yeah, so she put us on a plane. I landed in Sydney and my phone went off and it was Manly Rugby. So asking if I wanted to come and do some coaching because uh, there was a connection to some boys back home. So she was like, you are, you know. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah, she was not happy. <laughs> she was not the Tassie she, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, she was, yeah, she wasn't happy. But, but you know, I, I had to go into business, so it was a bit of a change. I had no job and I, I needed to make some changes because uh, I was a teacher and I wanted to do something different. So um, that kind of took control for a couple of years. But you fall back. Mm. It's just it's what it is. And those family Christmases that you talk about, um, uh, is is rugby – do you ever say, okay, around the, the Christmas table rugby is off limits or, or is there a bit of you – know, I'm thinking about your yeah. Uncle Mike. Yeah. You know, do you talk about – you get his views on maybe some of some of our boys or, or do yep. you get his views on some of his boys? Look, Mike, Mike for me – look, I mean, every coach or every person in business has mentors and, and Mike uh, for me is enormous. I mean, he is next level in terms of rugby. So every time I go home, I'll block out half a day and say, I'm coming to your house. And it, it's not such a case of him going, well, this is what we're doing. I'll say, this is what I'm seeing um, at the breakdown. This is what I'm seeing. And he'll go, yeah, I agree. But, you know, so we – it's just such a good resource for me to be able to ask questions and see what they're doing. And then he'll question me about stuff, and it's just back and forward. And, and I learn a lot from those. And, and then my cousin Danny, who's at the Hurricanes, uh, blessed also to talk to him. He's got a really good rugby brain, uh, and he's been doing their scrums for years. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about – going back and forward about different stuff and it's um you know and then the other uncles will just throw darts at me most of the time so 
So it's a shame, shame that Tars didn't come up against the, the Hurricanes this year, the one, the one Super Rugby side you didn't. Well, Danny, you know, on, uh, what was it, Sunday, Danny messaged me going, FYI, there's just another person in the world who knows exactly what you're feeling like right now. Mm-hmm. You know, because they got knocked out on the night before and then I was knocked out. So, it's, you know, it's nice to get that from your cousin. Uh, he goes, oh, I want to throw punches right now. So he, <laughs> he was unhappy that they got knocked out and, and then obviously the both of us going through at the same time. It would have been much nicer to have a cron-on-cron final, but <laughs> uh, we wouldn't have talked to each other that week. Well, we're going to uh, speak to Scott Stevenson, Sumo, from uh, Sky Sports New Zealand in just a moment and preview the, the final on the weekend between the Crusaders and the Lions. But just quickly before we do that, um, back to what might be happening next year. Israel Folau, have you got anything you can... Oh, look, my understanding is that Izzy's happy in New South Wales and I believe that he's still going through contract negotiations with the ARU, which is completely separate to us. Um, I'd expect him to stay. Uh, He's a massive part of our squad. We love him. Boys love him. And um, he can play. Mm. Jeez, he can play. Mm. Um, And I think he'll only get better. Uh, I, I know people talk about he's 30 now, but... He's the kind of guy physically who could play until he decides to end it. So, you know, when you stand... Is that right? Oh, he's unbelievable. Look, like you stand next to him. He, like, the boys call him Winks because he's a racehorse, mm. you know. And uh, I think he's got plenty more years. He's one of the best in the world in my eyes. So... If, if you look at some of the... We all know his strengths and how great he is under the ball. He's attacking prowess. But if you look at some of his weaknesses, maybe things around the breakdown and, and getting a little bit stronger. Over, do you, is, there, is that an area that you yep. see? Yeah, he's got better there this year. Like, he's leaving less daylight. Like, if you look at his, his ruck arrivals in the last four or five games, there's no issue for us around his stuff. Um, he's going straight over the ball. There's no pressure. Um, when they go to counter-ruck him, he's nice and low. You know, and and so from my point of view, I think that's he's getting stronger. He's, every player can get better, so as a coach, you're always looking at ways in which you can improve. And I think one of the things for him this year was we gave him ball with a little bit of space. Mm. So if you look at last year, people were going, "Oh, is he's not playing that well?" It's you don't play that well when you get three defenders standing in front of you and somebody throws your ball and goes, "They are champions." See if you can beat three of them. Um, you're never going to look that good. Whereas this year, you give Izzy a one-on-one. Good luck. Yeah. You know, and same Tunkili. Do you have a view then, um, you know, you're confident that he'll stay in New South Wales. Do you have a, a view of what is better for him and, and his rugby uh, going forward? You know, is it is it a rugby decision, do you think, that it's better better for him to be part of the, the Tars back line than, than the Reds back line? Well, particularly with the World Cup next year. Well, I think Izzy's a big guy for... He plays well in an environment where he's comfortable, and I think he's comfortable at the moment. I think he's settled. Um, moving him away from there, uh, you know, it can make it's it's harder when you move squads. He's he knows the guys, he knows the people around him. So I think a big part of his life is making sure he's happy. And I'll back him, you know, around whatever he chooses to do um, for him and his family. And, and I know his wife, you know, they're, they're really tight, and they'll be looking to have a family soon. I've got no doubt. So um, I would think. At the moment, he's comfortable where he is. So, and for his rugby positionally, he's loving 15. And I know there's been talk in the media about him potentially going to 13 for the Wallabies. Put him anywhere, he'll play well. Mm. Um, but you've just got to make sure you put the systems around him so that he doesn't get a ball with five guys standing in front of him and people expect him to win games that way because it's just not fair. Let's hope he uh, plays well against the All Blacks coming up in a few weeks' time. Um, let's go to New Zealand now and speak to uh, Scott Stevenson, Sumo, from Sky Sports. 
listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. And it is a very warm welcome to Scott Stevenson. Simo, how are you, mate? Not too bad, thank you very much. Good to uh, have you on board with the Fox Rugby Podcast. Um, <laughs> what, are you, uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Can the Lions uh, create a challenge for the Crusaders or are the Crusaders <laughs> just going to uh, blow them off the park? You know, I, I'm intrigued by the uh, by the odds that are on the Crusaders at the moment. I can't remember a final that's uh, been this short. I think a dollar eight. Our local betting agency is offering on the Crusaders and the Lions out to eight dollars. Sounds. I, I know that the Crus- I know the Crusaders have won twenty finals games at home. In fact, they've never dropped one. But even so, eight dollars in a two horse race. Goodness gracious. Sounds like a Bledisloe fixture. <laughs> <laughs> <Un- laughs> un- well, I, I didn't want to go there. Sumo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if, if indeed the, the Lions are to threaten the Crusaders, how, how would they do that? Well, they've got to nullify the pack for starters. They, they, look, their line-out battle is going to be intriguing. The Lions do have the advantage, in my eyes, at least uh, in line-out time. They've scored now, uh, and this is frankly staggering, 87 tries this year. Uh, nine on 50 of them have come from line-out play. Their line-out operates at 91%, which is above the Crusaders in terms of success rate. Uh, they've got great jumpers there. Franco Mostert, certainly their go-to guy, as he is defensively as well. Uh, but their drive setup is just so hard to handle, as we saw on the weekend as the Waratahs experienced Malcolm Marks getting in the boot on the mall, and, and before you know it, they've crossed the line. So... They'll be looking to target. But, you know, the, the other thing that so many teams have failed to do against the Crusaders is actually set up a line-out drive on them because they just can't kick themselves into good field position against that team. And uh, the Hurricanes were bad at it last week. In fact, pretty much every team who's gone there has been bad at it, uh, none more so than the Sharks, who were the biggest kicking team in the competition, turned up at AMI Stadium, got stage fright, and only kicked the ball nine times. You've got to be able to put yourself at the right end of the park if you are any chance at all at going against this Crusaders side and coming out on top. Uh, well, Cronny, what do, you, what do you think about that, mate? Yeah, look, I, you I, went over the, to Christchurch, yeah. had a little bit of success for, for well, 30 minutes at least anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, and, you know, in the end of our game there, our game management wasn't great um, and, and we let them back in the game. But like Sumo was saying, I think those odds are, are, are silly. I think a dollar eight to $8 mm. is crazy. I think it's a lot closer than that. Um, Interestingly enough, the Lions had the choice of flying over on Sunday night um, and taking our flight. They chose not to. They went Monday. So I think they went for a, a recovery, 48-hour recovery time, and they'll come in later into Christchurch. They're not dumb. They're an intelligent side. They'll, uh, you know, Yanchis has got a great kick on him. He, he plugged one from, you know, 55 out and put it five metres. So at the end of the day, I think they'll end up in the, in the zone to maul. But like Sumo said, the Crusaders are extremely good with their mall defence transition speed. They've got some of the best jumpers in the world defensively. And, and you know, statistically, like you said, the Lions line-out is very good. But uh, Mostert is their main pod jumper defensively. And if you can move him around, you can create space. Um, and, and we looked at that in the weekend. And you can manipulate where he goes to. Um, and they'll pot up so they won't mirror, whereas the Crusaders will mirror D. And I think the Lions will find Crusaders mirror D is, is, mm. is extremely quick. Uh, like Reed is one of the best in the world around mm. um, looking at lineouts and seeing where they're going to jump. So I would expect that the you'll find the Lions line out under more pressure than what they have been in the past. Um, mm. But then second to that, the Crusaders close to their line will will 
they've got quite a lot of punch in their first you know, three or four steps of mall D. It's if you let them sit for longer than three seconds or four seconds, that's where they start to actually work what you call through the back door. So the lines will roll through your back door, so they'll try and pull out towards the 15-metre line, and that's where they get their position. So I think what you'll see from the Crusaders is they'll jam two forwards in that back door, so you actually see two guys hitting the back of their mall so that the lines can't roll around the back, and they'll try and push them to the sideline. So... If the Lions end up jumping around J1, J2, so jumper one, jumper two, the Crusaders will be sending them straight to the sideline. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Sumo, how do you see the, the, the match-up between the two tens? Because Richie Mwanga, I think, uh, certainly outclassed behind a very dominant pack, but Bowden Barrett last week, and, and we've seen Yanties in finals go missing. Mm. Yeah, look, there's no doubt that Alton's a great player. He's a far more material talent than, than Richie Mwanga, who... You know, it's become very masterful in his tactics around the field. And one thing about Richie is he, he likes to be involved in the play, but he surprises a lot of teams, I think, when he chooses to run. Uh, you know, a guy like Bowden Barrett, you know he's going to be a threat every time with the ball. Richie Moanga is a little bit more circumspect when it comes to taking the play or not taking the play. Uh, he guides them so very well around the park, but he's quite happy to sit in the back pocket and just let play sit itself in front of him before he takes that opportunity. I think Yankees is a guy who needs to get involved in the play, and the Crusaders will see that and know that, and they'll target him in this game, make no mistake, because you've got to pressure that bloke so that guys like Forster can't get a big hit of steam up in the midfield. I'm, I was surprised at their lack of run metres in midfield uh, against the Tars last week. It's something that they're going to have to be on guard against because the Crusaders, right from 10 to 15, can put up big metres on you very quickly. So... Uh, yeah, Richie Moanga knows that he's got a battle on his hands, but I, I think it's it's all in front of Alton Yankees to really tactically guide this team around. By the way, I'm still reeling from that one-out masterclass from Toronto. That was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sumo, um, just talking a little bit more about Richie Moanga, I mean, he was absolutely superb against the Canes mm. the other night, and um, there's been a, a couple of yarns written over here about you know where he really sits now in the pecking order in terms of All Black selection and, and the fact that um, the All Blacks have poured so much time and, and effort into Bowden Barrett, you know, World Player of the Year, and, and also Damien McKenzie now in the mix mm. as well. How does that all sit, and, and is Richie Mwanga a genuine shot at finding his way into that 10 jersey at any stage? Look, I, I think he is a shot at finding his way into the 10 jersey, but, but here's the thing with Bowden Barrett. They, I mean, they'll keep their face in him, as these all-black selectors always did. Dan Carter went through long periods in Super Rugby where he wasn't at his best, but the all-blacks weren't going to drop him. He was Dan Carter, and, and we know he's got talent. Bowden Barrett is extraordinary when he's going well, and he's had glimpses of that this season, but... Uh, unfortunately, he just couldn't find his groove over the last five, six weeks of the competition and his uh, all-black aspirations were somewhat dented with injury as well. So, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll go with him for sure. But Richie Moonga now surely is his backup. I, I wonder if the Damien McKenzie experiment is going to come to a natural end. I, I think he's a fullback. I, I work every week with guys like Nils Moliaina who... Uh, might not know much, but he played 100 tests for the All Black and fullback, and uh, and he sees him as a fullback. So I'd take Mills' advice there, uh, and I think that's where Damien McKenzie is, is at his most dangerous when he's got space, when he can operate off broken play. Being a first five and being a fullback are two very different things. And Bowden Barrett, remember, had uh, three or four good seasons as a fullback cover, 
before he moved up and took that first five jobs. So he, he had a longer apprenticeship. I think that tried to rush Damien McKenzie, and I think it's backfired. Richie Mwanga, meanwhile, he's been a 10, out and out of 10 for his whole professional career. Yeah, Grant Fox, the New Zealand selector, had some interesting comments to, I think, Radio Sport over there straight after the Chiefs' defeat, and that came after McKenzie threw a couple of intercept passes, which Julian mm. Surveyor took and, and scored one and, and nearly got the journey the next time. Sumo, before we let you go, who do you think's going to win, or, or how many? Bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I mean, it's the Crusaders to lose, for sure, but, but I'm with Simon, so I think it's disrespectful to be thinking the Lions are no chance in this game. Uh, they are a great attacking side, as, as we've both covered today. When they get their line-out working, when their forwards start punching, they're a lot to handle. Uh, I think it's going to be a close thing in this game, and uh, I, I think the Crusaders will go out on top. History tells us that's the case, but this is no lay-down Mazir. I think we're in for a thriller at AMI this weekend. And are we going to get to see Razor perhaps uh, do another break <laughs> dance? Is that the go? Uh, if Razor wins the title, Razor dance. That much is for sure. <laughs> he loves a dance. He does love it. <laughs> hey, hey, Sumo, thanks very much. Uh, we'll let you uh, get back to your your other job as uh, a budding author, so we're looking forward to that. Hey, Nick, it's no budding, mate. I've got four bestsellers behind me, buddy. Keep nice. Up. Yeah, no. <laughs> nice. Apologies. Sorry, John Grisham. <laughs> See you, mate. Thank you. See you, Sumo. Yeah, boys. Scotty Stevenson there on the Fox Rugby podcast. He, he won't tell us. I've tried to find out whose book he's, he's writing, and he's keeping it very close to his chest. So Apparently not Richie. Not Richie, no. no. Um, so, Simon, your views on the Mackenzie Bowden-Barrett, Richie Moanga discussion? Yeah, look, I think Bowden-Barrett. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Bowden-Barrett hasn't shared his jersey from an all-back perspective in the all-back squad. You know, you're talking about franchises. And in each franchise, they have different attacking patterns, different defensive patterns and mm. changes and stuff. So you've got to look at his last all-back games. And personally, he's amazing. He's an amazing player. If you compare him to McKenzie, McKenzie, all good first fives look like they've got time, even when they don't. So when they receive the ball, even if there's somebody two metres in front of their face, it looks like they've got time to ball play. Whereas McKenzie, for me, looks frantic. So... When he's got guys in his face, some of his decision-making processes look frantic and therefore he throws a big long pass and it gets intercepted. Whereas Bowden Barrett, he's got time. He's the Mertens-Carter-type first five. And as soon as you've got time, you know, it, it just makes you a much better player. And you, and you see that in, in Bernie, you know, when he was playing for Australia. he When he gets the ball, he's got time. So uh, I don't see them changing too much. I think Moanga could be a brilliant second-tier Ten, but I don't see Bowden Barrett shooting his jersey a lot. Mm. Scoreline predictions? Uh, I don't know about a score. I think the Crusaders will win comfortably. Um, I, I just having watched them over the last few weeks, obviously more closely than perhaps uh, throughout the regular season. They're, they're just superb at the moment. It's, it's hard to see a weakness. And w- one of the statistical things that hasn't come up a lot is the Lions concede more tries from transition turnover. Mm. So the Crusaders are one of the best at transition turnover speed. So we call it click speed. As soon as you turn the ball over, you've got one second to get your defensive system set. Now, the Lions don't do that. And that's where we made a mistake. You know, in the weekend, we turned a couple of balls over, and instead of us shifting and attacking down the sideline, we kicked them away. Um, so I reckon the Crusaders on turnover ball will go, will attack. What about, um, uh, we'll wrap this up and, and get to, towards uh, some chat about the Wallabies. Well, so I, can't have, I can't say my two cents. Who cares? 
Um, but, but just quickly, how, how will the Lions be mentally, knowing this is their third final, they haven't been able to get it done the last two years, they know that the side they're playing Saturday night went to Ellis Park first time, year. First time to cross the Indian Ocean yeah, and win. And, yeah. and, and got it done there. Will it be hard mentally to, to actually have that, that true belief in oh, yourself? I think the coaches and the leadership group of that team now, with the experience they've had, they're not dumb. So I think they'll get themselves in the best possible position to have a crack at it. And they will. They, the key thing to beat the Crusaders, you've got to be innovative. The Crusaders will come at them with specials, line-out specials, special plays, to try and manipulate some of their defensive weaknesses. And unless they're ready for that and have some of their own, because you've got to, the, the defensive system of the Crusaders is very, very strong. Great line speed. There's no holes in their defense. You're not having guys miss tackles. So one of the best sayings I've ever heard is if a team never misses a tackle... How do you score tries? Mm. And I think that's what the Lions have got to do mm. against the Crusaders. They've got to go, right, if the Crusaders never miss a tackle, how do we score? A- and to do that, you've got to either be able to kick the space where there's nobody and have be untouched, or you've got to have innovation that manipulates the players to move away and, and then open them up through a hole. So One thing's for certain, the Lions, like they have in the quarterfinal, uh, sorry, in the in the last round against uh, the Bulls and then against the Waratahs, they dropped two tries in, inside the first ten minutes. So they can't do that against the Crusaders. Can't no. play catch up footy against them. No, no. And like I say, transition speed for me will be the thing that will hurt them the most. Was that your comment on the game, or have you got something else? Oh, look, if you want to hear no, more, let's, yeah, go for it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think you, I've eaten too much of your time. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Crusaders, you'd think, were well, quite a few. All right. Um, now let's head towards Friday night, and uh, something new from Michael Checker and the Wallabies. He's recognised the fact that he can't continue to do the same thing year after year because so far it hasn't worked. The last two years have been blowing off, blown off the park uh, early on in in both. Uh, Bledisloe's over the last two years. So it's yep. not really a possibles v probables, is it? It's a, it's a Wallabies uh, 15 uh, against a, a Super Rugby 15. Um, and, and that's going to happen at Leichhardt Oval on, on Friday night. Simon, your, your view on, on the concept? First oh, up. Oh, I think it has to happen. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, I think there's a, there's a big gap. When, when some of the Super teams stop playing, there's a big gap. So for me, you want to play. I mean, in terms of combinations and cohesiveness, there's a lot of research like Ben Darwin does around, you know, cohesiveness within mm. squads. And I think the way you build cohesiveness is you can train a certain amount, but then you need to put them on the field next to each other. Um, the timing of your tackle check, your defensive systems, your transition speed, like we mentioned before. So I think it's a great idea. If they don't do it, they'll repeat what's happened. Mm. And it's important to, to to say that the Waratahs players won't be involved, but guys like Will Genier and Adam Coleman, who haven't played a lot of rugby, they're expected to play, and, and, and they're vital minutes if you haven't played for a couple of months. Well, I think Jake Gordon is going to step up. My understanding, he was asked, and Jed Holloway is going to play, I think, for the for the opposition side. So that there's a few of our boys that, if, you know, they'll, Interesting. they'll shake off some of that that uh, travel and, and get out there and play because it's an opportunity for them to to have a crack at, at you know some of the wallabies and you don't want to turn that down. Put your hand up. Uh, speaking of the Waratahs, I think today is the end of season uh, party, so I'm, I'm sure a few of them are going harder than others. Oh yeah, I think the the you know the boys will get together. Uh, they're obviously still hurting from Saturday night, and, and but it's an opportunity for them to celebrate some people who are leaving us. You know, like Tan Keely is leaving us. Um, you know, Paddy Ryan, we've got uh, Dave Garrett, one of the physios. There's different people within our group that are all moving into different systems or different organisations and, and it'll be a chance for them to say goodbye, I think. 
Tone Kelly's going to be a big loss, isn't he? He was massive this year. Mm. Um, 15 tries, Australian record. Yep. One off the, the, the record broken on the weekend by Ben Lamb. That's right. And he um, he lost a lot of weight in the off-season. He got fitter. So he could t- the biggest thing for Tunkeley was his turning ability. You know, at the start of the season even, against the Highlanders when we played a trial, their approach was to kick behind him, make him turn, which is what I'd do. Um, but now he, he got a lot quicker on the turn. He lost some weight. He's a weapon. And he, he's a big, he is a big piece of meat. Like, uh, if you look at McLean Jones, one of our, our sevens, uh, he broke McLean's arm in half at training mm-hmm. um, just with his calf muscle, like, just kicking it up. It was, like, if you watched it on tape, you'd be stunned. But he is that big. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, that's another question, isn't it, where you find 15 tries on the edge? Great question. Mm. You know, you've got to look for a little bit of X factor out there. We've got some guys that are there, there at the moment that can step up into that mark, and, um, but I think that's probably one on the radar for us as well. All right, um, should we catch up with uh, our very own Greg Martin? You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Greg Martin, thank you very much for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. I've got Simon Cron with me and also Christy here as well. We just wanted to uh, pick your brains on a couple of things happening in your neck of the woods. And we've been talking to Simon about uh, the immediate future of Israel Folau, and he's pretty confident that he's going to stay at the Tars. What are you hearing from the Reds' point of view? The Reds would love him, mate, and uh, Thorny loves him. Uh... Got a problem up here, mate. You'd love a lot of things, but uh, if you haven't got the money, there's no way in the world the money that he well, let's say it's three hundred thousand. The Reds haven't got that. While well, they've still got to pay for pay for Carmichael and Quaid, and Quaid ain't going anywhere if he doesn't have to. He's virtually you know flipped the bird to the Queensland Reds and go, if you don't want me, you'll have to keep paying me anyway. Carmichael hunts a bigger chance of leaving. That might be the opportunity, mate. Well, he'd be, what, you talking overseas or uh, somewhere else in Australia? What, what's, what are you hearing well, I'm not. I, I haven't heard anywhere in Australia that wants him, but overseas is the uh, the biggest option. If he plays all right in the uh, NRC, they're hoping that that'll give them enough, uh, enough, enough uh, background for them to go, well, look at that. He's, uh, he's overcome whatever problems the authority had and he's playing well on the field and off he goes and that uh, could save him a few hundred thousand. Yeah, speaking of the NLC, Brisbane City expected to announce their squad, I think, tomorrow, so Wednesday, um, and Carmichael and Quaid likely to be that in that. Whether or not they actually get selected by the coach will be up to, to him, but I think under Rugby Australia protocol, Wallaby contractor players have to be selected, so that's why they're going to be there. Um, uh, Marto, if, 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 if uh, Israel doesn't decide to go to the Reds uh, and remains in Sydney, have the Reds got enough there in the in the playmaking channels or at 10 or at 15 because John O'Lance is leaving and they've got a they're placing a lot of faith in a, a young Hamish Stewart I'd rather someone else there but I don't think Hamish Stewart really measured up this year and he, he didn't get any better in terms of actually taking control of anything he's solid but he's not brilliant mate you need a brilliant player to finish in the top eight in the super rugby and that's that's probably the biggest worry, and the worst thing is we've had Quaid sitting on the sideline dazzling him in club footy, which, you know, if you're any good, is is easy to do, easy-ish to do. But oh, I'd love to see him back there, but there, well, I was with Thorny last Friday. There's no way in the world that's going to happen. So I don't know, mate. There's a, there's a couple of young guys, but they're years off. I don't know. What are you doing with Mac Mason, Simon? Can we have him back, maybe? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you might have locked down down here. But, um, look, I, I agree with you, Mato. Um 
it's an interesting one because, like you mentioned, you've got Quaid there who's going to be taking a large amount of their salary cap playing club rugby, so one of the highest paid uh, around. But, you know, Hamish Stewart, I had him in under-20s, and he's a talented individual, but he's young, and like he's young. So I think it takes time for you to become a real good game manager and, and at, at first five, especially in Super Rugby. But on, on the other side of that coin as well, the way the Reds attacked this year... Um, it was a little bit predictable around uh, trying to punch holes in you. And when, and when a team try to yep. punch holes in you, you don't need to think too much. And if you don't need to think too much, you can get line speed and you can just keep hitting all day, even if they've got the ball for 80 minutes. So, well, Karevi was the 81. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Karevi was That's the right. only real threat to poking his nose through the line. And yep. like the Rebels with uh, with Murphy, if you've only got one threat, it becomes real easy to defend. Maybe it's tough for the first few weeks. Go, oh, that surprises that it doesn't after yep. too long. And, this, and Karevi's always going to attach you. He's going to go straight at your hinge, so you know where he's coming. So, yep. I, you know, and that's for Hamish, that creates a challenge for him as a game manager because if your attacking shape doesn't have a whole lot around it and there's not people thinking, then Hamish is not going to look that good. You know, mm. or your best tens look great when there's um, shape around them and they've got options and, and then there's people running out holes and there's bodies in motion. And, it could um, be a great place to be a playmaker, though, mate, because we've got good up front. The Reds are looking real good. Oh, so you, you, you know that. You've got some amazing, powerful individual athletes there that are phenomenal, and I, I think they'll be better again next year. And but I like you mean I like what you said. Um, I think you've got to have a couple of guys who can fill that, those positions and put pressure on each other. And I think Hamish is definitely one for the future, and will continue to get better. But but um, you know it would have been good to have somebody like Quade. I don't know Quaid personally, so I don't know what his cultural side of things is around the squad, and obviously it doesn't fit in uh, at the moment. But if you had somebody like your Bernard Foley with your Hamish Stewart underneath him, like they have in the Wallabies, you know, that's an ideal scenario. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping he he is outstanding, mate. He's been great. Nick, I told you that rumour about what he's been doing for club rugby. Every time, every place he goes... Um, the bar takings are up, the food takings are up, there's another... He's been dragging 2,000 extra people to every club game. I drove past South last Saturday, and they played uni, last club game before the final, and it was they, they had a sign, Quaid playing here today. So they've been unashamedly using him to market. Let's say, why, if he goes all right in the NRC and proves that he's still top shelf, why wouldn't Thorny just go, hold him up as an example and go, yes, he had problems... But he's overcome that. I know defence is one of the big ones. Thorny can't cop it, telling everyone they must tackle well. But crikey, the, the Reds weren't great in defence this year either. And that's where you've got to be. This crew say to show you that. So if Quaid can show that he has changed, surely you go, well, here comes Quaid. He's back in the squad. He's with us. You're going to pay him, play him. Uh, Marto, I, I suppose the, the other question is, can the Reds, if, if, if they miss the top eight again and, and the crowds don't continue to come back, can the club really survive for, for, for a, a lot longer because Quaid's a bloke who would draw a crowd? Well, no. If it was just the Reds on their own relying on their income, no, it can't survive. But no-one will ever let the Reds fall over, mate. So it, it'll never happen. I don't know. what the, the only answer is, and this is talking to the former CEO and chairman the other day, the only answer is they've got to win. So they reckon they're on the tra- right track, and I've got no doubt with Thorny as coach. They are on the right track. They're good up front. They'll be another year older. Playmaker's the big worry at this stage. So we've, we just happen to have one that's played 60 tests. So yeah. why not use him? And the kids love him. The kids don't know anything about all this other nonsense. They just want to go, you know how kids, rather than supporting a team, often they just support blokes. And Quay Cooper's still got currency with them. So, so, 
sorry, so Mardo, on that, you, you, the club are pay, paying him a lot of money. He's a really good playmaker. He's a good game manager. He's gone back to club rugby, and like you mentioned, he's performed. I know because I've watched some of his games. What's what's stopping it? What's wh- Why is Thorny not going, you know what, you've done your time, let's see if we can make this work again. Wh- what in your head is stopping that door from opening? One thing was that defence I talked about. Thorny can't can't cop him not being in the front line and not making those tackles. That was his belief. John Lance, we know how magnificent defender he is. Hamie Stewart's really, really good defender too. Thorny wanted to build everything on that. So build everything on the forwards and defence. It still wasn't enough. Yeah. And the other one was the stories in the last few years. I think you know when Thorny came in, what was that 2015? That's when Quaid and uh, was Willie there, man. Then uh, they'd go away. Slips was captain that year. The coaches had laid down a law. Richard Graham had laid. Well, we're doing this, this, this. As soon as they'd walk away, Quaid would re, re um, recalibrate the game plan. They change everything. So I think that got through. Thorny went. Well, that's unacceptable. I'm not going to cop any of that. First year he made a standard. Maybe I just hope. I know what a staunch individual Thorny is, but I just hope he says, well, people can change. And they do. Of course they can. Even at the age of 30, surely. Yeah. That, but they're the two things, as far as I know, that's stopping him coming back. Maybe, you know, Thorny needs a change of, uh, change of mind and go, I can't be so hard line on it. Well, but like what you mentioned, maybe, you know, maybe Quade got away with those things with the other coaches. He won't get away with that with Thorny. And no. as soon as he knows that, then I'm sure that it'll work. Uh, you know, well, I, well, he didn't. Hey, Cronny, he didn't rate those other coaches either. He was geez, maybe, hopefully, he does rate Thorny or realizes, geez, I've got to rate him, otherwise, I ain't going to be around there. I'm just, I'm just looking at it as one of the greatest ways. Yeah, I reckon he should get a new manager because of it. If you're manager, you're 30 years of age, you're running out of games in your yeah. life. You're yeah. running out of big games. What's the use of running around South playing Sunnybank? I know it's important to some people, but it, it shouldn't be important when you've got that much ability. It's a waste of talent. We. When no one's ever happy in wasting talent, whether it's taking drugs or alcohol or just purely mm. wasting it, but he's wasting it by running around only playing club footy. Just uh, another quick one, Marto. Uh, James Slipper, now he's been named uh, to start in this uh, Super Rugby side to play the Wallabies at Leichhardt Oval on, on Friday night, which is excellent for him. He uh, has re-signed with the Reds. Um, will he be, though, at the Reds next year? I don't know the answer to that, mate. I, I worry about him this Friday. He'll be grossly underdone, but they're mates, so I'm sure no one's going to kill him. But he hasn't had to uh, hit too many people lately, and he's just been doing training on his own. He hasn't been with a squad. He hasn't been with anything. So I worry he's underdone, but, mate, he's a great bloke. So people would want him. He had his problems. Hopefully he looks like he's overcome that. You'd love him to come back, Ian, but, again, thorny and drugs is just the biggest no-no, mate. Mm. Um, he's... He's made a hard line on it. I reckon who else needs a prop? The Brumbies, probably. Um, he'll end up somewhere else. Mm. And uh, and Rebels. what about... what about? Well, there was a lot of... When it first happened, there was a lot of talk that he might end up at the Rebels next year, but uh, that went quiet. So, uh, And the other one is um, Izzy Parisi, and we know that Michael Checker absolutely loves Izzy, but we also know that this story about him going to the Broncos uh, will not go away. What are you hearing about yeah. that? I keep hearing it. Last Friday, again, there were people talking about it everywhere at this big one. Um, I, I don't know the ins and outs, mate. I don't know Izzy apart from just say hello to him. So I'm not sure. There's been nothing. The Broncos haven't talked about it. I wouldn't be going to them. They spend all their money. They can't even afford um, Corey Oates as an origin player. He wants to stay and they 
and they've got to get rid of him. They've gotten, they've gotten rid of Corbin Sims. I don't know if I'd be going to the Broncos. They're uh, salary capped out, suspiciously close to the salary cap. So why would he go now? I, I, I don't get it because he is such a star. Well, you never know. I think Cronny said that beforehand that uh, they, they need someone to replace Ten Kelly Nyavoro. So you never know. <laughs> Whoa, right, eh? Interesting. Yeah, I like Izzy. I had him at twenties, and and uh, I found him to be a really good a good boy, and and he really wanted to learn. He's he's young, and um, like you mentioned, extremely explosive, amazing in contact. First contact, he'll bounce off. He's not a big big guy, but he'll bounce off a couple and keep he's going. Extraordinary. He's pound yeah. for pound got to be one of the strongest players within the tackle, hasn't he? I totally agree. He's also he's just had a bubs this year, so he's a young dad. Yeah. And I'd say he'll be looking for some stability, and he plays for the love of the game. So I think you've got to—he's got to be in an environment where he's really happy. So um, I That'd like him. Terrible. If the Reds lost him, that is a—that is a shocker because I know they've got another guy, Will Eady, who you're aware of, yep. I'm sure. Yep. But he—he's uh, not Izzy Parisi. He's mate—he's advanced at the moment. Yeah, no, no, he's not Izzy at the moment, and uh, Izzy'd be a huge loss. Hey, Marto, uh, thanks very much for for joining us, and uh, looking forward to catching up over the Test season. Cheers, mate. I hope the Reds survive for a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think they will. I think they will. Thanks, Marto. Thanks, Marto. All right. So what have we got to look forward to over the next couple of weeks? We've got the Super Rugby final. We've got Bledisloe 1 on August 18. But the more immediate game is this game on uh, Friday night. It's a great initiative by Rugby Australia. Yeah, we touched upon that earlier. So it's great. I think a couple of guys to look out for as well. I think Andrew Deegan from the Western Force. He had a short stint over in Ireland. So he's back and he's going to play 10, which is, I think, a great uh, former shoot shield player. And he seems like a good guy too. So uh, Palmer Fowl, the former Australian Sevens player who had a unfortunate didn't really get a run at the Rebels because of injury, but he's back in the mix playing for Eastwood and doing well. So a couple of good uh, names to look out for and maybe for you as well, Simon, being a, a TARS coach. And yep, we've got Jed Holloway down there and Jake Gordon. I think I think two of them, uh, the, two of those guys are going on. There'll be more, I've got no doubts. Uh, it'll just depend on who Chick uh, puts in there, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that game. Yep. So free entrance, I think a gold coin donation, and that's going towards grassroots. So get behind it. Uh, 6.45 at, uh, at Leichhardt Oval. Perfect. So, uh, Sounds yeah. like a plan. Now, Simon, when are you guys back into pre-season? Uh, funnily enough, we're on Thursday for something. I think, <laughs> I think, I think it'll be a tide something. But um, I think we'll get together on Thursday and, and evaluate the season and see where we could do better um, and then start to plan ahead. No worries. Uh, and uh, wishing you all the best for a little bit of time off, perhaps. Who, who are you supporting in the Bledisloe, by the way? Oh, Wallabies. Of course we're supporting the Wallabies. I've got to go. I'm over here. Uh, and, uh, but at the same time, but at the same time, you've, I've got my uncle for the All Blacks, so uh, I do love watching them both play. And, and you've got the t- you know, two of the best teams in the world playing. Really interested to see the Sappers play at the moment too, one year out from the World Cup. So... You know, I'm excited by that whole that whole series and business end of the Shoot Shield. So yep. I'm actually looking forward to a lot of games there. It's actually a really good time of the year and uh, there is a lot to look forward to over the next couple of months. Thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Thanks very much.